Uh, good morning, all. Great to see you guys. Um, we sang a song now. We sang the song, we, well, the one just before this one, we would, we would rise up with wings like eagles. Uh, the power of his love. It, it is an old song, but it's a good song because it talks about how that God, is, God has put all these promises in place for his children. He's put all these promises so that uh, where they are today doesn't mean where they need to stay. Isn't that wonderful to know? Think about that for a moment. Where you are today is not where you need to stay. And if you take that seriously enough, your whole life is going to be different. It's going to be changed because part of the problem of life is people get stuck in thinking where they are today is where they have to stay. And that's not right for the Christian. That's not the, the, the mentality of Scripture. That's not the promises of the Word. Because if that was the promises of the Word, then who's the God that we serve? We call God limitless. Yeah? Yet we define Him by our limitations. And that's, you know, you think kind of aches the heart of God because we're, we're redefining God not through the Scriptures but through our own interpretation of Him. But God has said to you today, this morning, sitting here listening, listening this morning, where are you today? Now, some of you might say, I'm really happy where I am today. That's fantastic. You're right with God. That's awesome. You're walking with your creator. That's amazing. And if you are, then God's got even a a better promise for you, got even more for you. You know, don't think you're comfortable now and you can sit back and everything's done and dusted. God's got more. God's got more for you. And he's going to stretch you and challenge you and use you for his kingdom because this is the things of God. So even that, in that position, you don't, you don't need to stay. You're not going to stay where you are today. But I wonder if there's those among us this morning that feel a bit like, you know, we talk about wings of eagles who soar up in the air. You ever been down into the city or somewhere in the streets or the parks and you've seen a bird with an injured wing? But you, think so, you feel sorry for that bird because it can't fly. It's trying to flap its wing and it just can't fly. It's flapping one wing and the other wing's all kind of hurt or damaged. And you kind of look at that bird and you think, oh, poor thing. And you kind of wish you could just sort of throw it in the air and help it fly. And some of you may feel like that this morning. You feel like, you know what, I don't, I don't feel all this nice feeling of praising the Lord and, and that kind of, because it's just how, where my life is at at the moment. But even to you, I believe 100% God is saying, where you are today is not where you're going to stay. If you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will mount up with wings like eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. Because this is the promise of God. If you were trusting in me or this church, forget it, you're lost forever. (laughs) But because you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're trusting in him and you're trusting in the promises, you will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. You will mount up with wings like eagles because of the power of his love. That's the power of God's love. And this morning, this morning, we're going to read a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture that kind of really begins to highlight this idea that uh, God has called us, saved us, and brought us, gifted us to be a people who can lift up his name in this kind of praise. And I pray this morning that you're encouraged as we, as we think about these things and become people who flourish who are bound with his righteousness, who are bound with his righteousness because of the goodness of God and who he is. Because this is what God has called us to, not to be stuck and be like some dried old tree. Just a old tree. And if you love nature, a bit like myself, if you love nature, you'll love this morning's passage. It's a beautiful passage that highlights the people of God through the beauty of nature. 
and what we are to God. But let's pray this morning. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on his word and ask the Lord to uh, uh, bless what we hear and we receive with open hearts the, um, the word of God, the word of God to us. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your blessings that we are here this morning. Uh, over the, the many challenges of the many months, Lord, you've allowed us to come in greater numbers to worship you, to listen to your word, to honour the King of Kings. And this morning I pray that wherever we're at, remind us, Lord Jesus, that you are still working, that you are still powerful, and you are calling us to something even greater still because of the power of your love. Father, bless your word to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If we can open up to Isaiah in the Old Testament, an Old Testament prophet, Isaiah chapter 61. And we're going to read um, a few verses, few verses from this passage. I'm really encouraged. I continue to be encouraged by the way that you guys encourage each other. And, um, and the way you, you, you keep in contact with one another. And uh, continue to do that. You know, I, when I listen to people and people share things, and they share about how they've been in touch with this person or they've been speaking to this person or um, uh, when people share things that are on their hearts, it's very encouraging. So it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be part of a fellowship that is, is desiring and committing, com- committed to doing these sorts of things. And so continue to do that and abound in that more and more in, in the Scriptures. Isaiah chapter, chapter 61, let's just read the first three verses, verses that are familiar in some ways because they are also in the New Testament. Uh, the prophet says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those that are, who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Beautiful passage. It's a really lovely passage. And if you're like me, like I said, you, you love nature. I love the idea of looking around, walking through the park, or you know, looking at the beautiful trees of the park, or looking at the forests on the hills, uh, or if I'm at the sea, and looking at the oceans, or the sunsets, or the sunrises. You know, I look at these things and I think, wow, God is so good. God is amazing. The God has actually put these things in place to order to, in order to glorify him. And that's a wonderful thing about God, that he's allowed all these things in place, not just so that we can think, oh, how that's beautiful, but at the end of the day, he's actually glorified in that process, or he's glorified through the things that we see. But if you look at these things and you think to yourself, wow, these are amazing, God also takes these things in the scriptures and often uses these things as a metaphor for the Christian to describe them in some beautiful way. And here he describes us in this, in this way of the trees of righteousness, the oaks of righteousness. He describes us in these ways so that he can somehow uh, reveal something beautiful to us. 
And I want to look through these scriptures, I want to look through these passages, probably just briefly through verses 1 and 2, um, and then also, and then, but particularly focus on verse 3, just to really highlight what it is that God has called us to, what he's gifted us with, and what he's called us, called us to. Because the idea of a tree is a very, it's a beautiful thing that God has used all throughout the Bible. Now, if you're anything like me, when I was little, I used to love climbing trees. I used to love them. Just not the excitement of getting up at one level, but getting even higher. You know, it's almost tempted to get a little bit higher and test how high you can go. But every time you stood on a branch, you know, you often looked for those branches that were strong enough and you tested those branches. But you know what? A lot of the times you just put, the, you put your confidence in that tree that it's actually going to remain steadfast and strong so you could climb it. And the beautiful thing about these trees is that, beautiful thing about the concept of a tree that you knew it would hold you up. You know, when I was a, a child, I knew most times, or all the time, that it would just hold me up, that it was, I was confident of its strength. And it's really bizarre, the concept of a tree, because when you have a windy day and all of a sudden you see, you know, a really big trunk tree fallen, don't you look at it and you think, oh my goodness. That's a, how did that even happen? Because you don't, it's not something that you expect to happen. It's not something that's kind of common to see. It does happen, of course, but because you recognize, you understand the strength and the stability of these big trees. They are generally very stable and generally very strong, able to carry much, able to flourish. But there are particular trees in the Bible that, the Bible, that God uses for us to understand something even far deeper Deeper to understand the life of the Christian. And that's beautiful of God because he takes something that we understand, something that we see, and describes it for us. And this morning I pray that you may be encouraged to be a church, a forest, if you like, of praise, a forest of righteousness, so you may go out abounding in the work that God has for us because this is the calling of God. This is the gift of God. God does not call dried Trees. He doesn't call trees who are dried and broken, weak and frail. He doesn't call these people into his kingdom. He calls us to be the trees of righteousness because we are truly the ones who reflect his righteousness, his holiness into this world. So let's look at what the prophet says to us. Verse 1. He says, the, vent, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because, of course, he has anointed me. This is a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus stood up in the temple in Luke 4 and he said this, he said this passage. He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, what's beautiful about Isaiah, somewhere between sort of, well, a lot of places in Isaiah, but particularly sort of Isaiah chapter 60 through to, you know, maybe 63, even beyond, this is kind of interesting blend. If you've read, the, if you've read Isaiah before, this is interesting blend between the first and the second coming of Christ. The first coming of Christ, we remember Jesus came to this earth and he died on the cross. And of course, the second coming of Christ, which is yet to happen, he's going to come back again. And there's this really interesting blend in the chapters of Isaiah where sometimes it sort of almost moves from one to the other, one to the other, one to the other. And it's kind of sometimes a little bit tricky to know, is he talking about the first coming? Is he talking about the second coming? And I think in this passage here from verses 1 to 3, it's certainly a possibility that the prophet is moving from one to the other. But nonetheless, what it is, it is a beautiful reminder of what Jesus does to all who believe. One day, he will complete it all beautifully and perfectly. But for now, he says to you, if you're brokenhearted, come. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. 
This morning, if your heart is broken because of the the effects of sin in your life, the choices that you've made, the separation of God, something has happened to break your heart. Something has happened that has revealed that you are so vulnerable without the mercy and the goodness of God. And you feel like, what's going on in my life? Why do I feel the way I feel? Why do I feel so down and out and my heart is broken? Jesus says, come. But you run. You run away when he wants you to run to him because he says, I have come to heal the brokenhearted. But we think, oh, he can't do this. It's too hard for him. I don't know how he's going to manage to do this. But he says, trust me, believe in me, allow me to do what I promised I will do and I would heal the brokenhearted. Don't go on living life brokenhearted forever. Allow Jesus Christ to come and restore and heal the very things that are breaking your heart because what life does to you. Often it's broken not just because of the circumstances, because of the impact that sin has. Whether it's the impact that others have had on your life or whether it's the impact you've had on things. But whatever it is, it's the damage or the effect of sin in a fallen world. And Jesus has come. You're trying to find ways to heal your heart that's broken. You're trying to stitch it up. You're trying to mend it in your own ways. But the way you stitch and the way you mend those stitches are going to rip apart one day. They're going to rip apart. Until you put your trust completely, not partly, completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you can look at the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of what seems to be an impossible pain and say, Lord Jesus, I trust you. And he says, okay, I'll heal you. I'll heal the brokenhearted. And so no one's exempt from this. This is the beauty of Christianity. No one's immune or exempt. No one, no one is um, free from this. No one can say, you know what, I'm, I'll never experience this in my life again. No. The very reason we live and breathe is the very possibility that we will experience this. But to you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, come. Come to him and allow him to heal the broken heart. And then he says, I will set free the captives. I will set free the captives. Isn't that beautiful? This is the promise of the one who comes to him and says, Lord, I am done. I am done trying to stop what I can't stop. I feel like a prisoner to my sin. I feel like a prisoner to my actions. I feel like a prisoner to my behavior, my attitudes, my reactions to people, the way I speak, the way I think. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm disgusted with myself. And see, this is not for everyone because not a lot of people feel like this about themselves. A lot of people feel the opposite. They look at their sin, they feel proud. They think, I'm not that bad. I don't kill anyone. I don't hurt anyone. I'm not that bad. I don't cheat anyone. But deep down in their hearts, their attitudes and their thoughts are far from what God is asking of them. And if they're honest with themselves, they'll realize deep inside they're not really happy with what they're becoming. And God says, come. Come and let me set you free. Let me open the chain to the prison cell. And let me release you that you may go and live freely, righteously, the way you are designed to live. You don't get a nice, beautiful car and treat it like a bicycle. That doesn't make sense. You get what you get and you use it for what it's purpose to do. And this is what God has called us to. 
So God is in, in verse 1, God, the Lord Jesus Christ invites you today, invites you. If you are broken, if you are bound, and if you are in pain emotionally, he calls us not to, to have a nice counseling session. He calls us to healing and restoration. He invites us to come into the, the love of his son and to experience forgiveness and mercy and healing. Will you come this morning? So you can keep running. You can keep running as far as you want to run. You can run as far as you want from God, but you can't run from yourself. Yourself will haunt you as far as you run. It will continue to haunt you. Until you come to a place you've got to stop and trust and put your hand in the hand of your maker. And that's what, the, that's what the prophet Isaiah is saying here. There's going to come a time when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come and take the damage of sin and heal it. And how beautiful it is to watch lives being healed by the mercy and the forgiveness of the Lord. Verse 2 is interesting because the Lord Jesus Christ stopped halfway when he said this. But it talks a bit about the day of the Lord and the day to come. And in verse 2 it says, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who will mourn. And what I like about this verse is that the prophet Isaiah is very clear about a very important truth. There is going to be a day of the Lord that is a day of favour, and there is going to be a day of the Lord that is a day of vengeance. And both are going to happen. Both will happen. One has happened, <laughs> one has happened, the day of favour, and the other is still going to happen. And what I love about this is that God doesn't hold back and hide the very thing that he wants to do with this world. Today is a day of favour. Today, if you hear his voice, you don't harden your heart. Because if you harden your heart, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know that. Today, if the voice of God is calling you and saying, hey, come, come to me, you're hearing something and it's appealing to you, you know in your heart this is true. And the Lord Jesus Christ, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Because if you harden your heart, there is going to come a day, it's called the day of vengeance. That is not a day you want to be part of. That is not a day you want to get the bad end of the deal because at the end of the day, the day of vengeance is God's wrath. God's wrath is a day of punishment, is a day of eternal punishment. And so Jesus says very, the Bible says very clearly, both are going to happen. Now this is what sometimes churches do wrong. They will focus a lot on one and a little on the other and they'll get it all mixed up. God's all about favour and there is no vengeance. Yeah? Or, God's all about vengeance. And this favour bit, yeah, you might hear it sometimes. But God is very clear. Today, if you hear his voice come, because there will be a day where there will be no more chance. And God won't look at you and say, ah, oh, but I saw you were thinking about it. Oh, I, could, I saw you were considering it. In that day, and that day will come, whether he returns or whether you pass, that day will come, but it will become a day of vengeance. So I urge you this morning, if you're listening, whether here or on site, online, if you're listening and you feel broken or you feel bound or you feel far away, 
or more than feel you know you are, then I ask you, beg you, urge you, come and um, receive him, believe in him, trust him, lest you face the day of vengeance before the Lord. So you see in here quite a beautiful, uh, kind of an emerging truth in this passage that God is, God is saving, but God is also very clear about his vengeance. And then it evolves into something really beautiful, his righteousness. Because to them he saves, he doesn't save just to spare them from vengeance. He saves them because he calls them to one of the most remarkable experiences we can experience on this earth, and that is the righteousness of Christ. And he says this in verse 3. To console those who mourn in Zion and to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So I'll just, let, me, let me just touch on this for a moment. What God is saying to his people, and particularly his people who perhaps at this time were coming out of captivity, they were suffering, they'd been afflicted, and all of a sudden now God is saying to them, I'm going to give you something far greater than your affliction. And he calls it, and he uses different types of examples. He says to them, I'm going to give you beauty, sorry, I'm going to, I'm going to console or comfort those who mourn in Zion. And today I believe the same is for you. To you who mourn, he says, I will comfort you. And then he talks about a beauty. He says he talks about a um, beauty for ashes because ashes were often used in the Bible for a time of grief or affliction or a time of where something terrible has happened and they would cover themselves with sackcloth and ashes because they were overwhelmed by the sense of suffering and and anguish and, and, and affliction that they were as ahead of them and they would cover them. And God says, you know what? Enough. I want to give you beauty for ashes. I want to wipe the ashes off and I want to give you something that is beyond what you can experience yourself. I want to cleanse you of these things and I want to give you beauty, something beautiful in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on and he says this. He says, and the the oil of joy for mourning and then listen, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So I'm going to do a a wardrobe change. Give me, your, give me your clothes of heaviness. Give me your clothes of heaviness and I will give you garment of praise. Give me what's making you heavy and I'll allow you to wear a garment of praise. What are the things, what are the things that make you feel heavy? Think about the things that make you feel heavy. Often, if you like, the afflictions of life, if you like, they can be categorized at least in three ways. There is afflictions because you make choices. Now don't fool yourself. There are afflictions in your life at times because you have chosen, made decisions and they have caused affliction in your life. If you're honest with yourself, it's because of your choice. There are sometimes, however, not based on your choice, there are afflictions in life because it has been afflicted upon you circumstances out of your control, but they are still afflictions. There's a, there's a garment of heaviness, or a, rather a spirit of heaviness. And interestingly, when you dig into the scriptures, brothers and sisters, there is sometimes an affliction because of your godliness. 
You live godly. You follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to them who are godly will suffer persecution. And there is sometimes affliction because of the godliness that you choose in life. But regardless of those afflictions, regardless of what the reasons for those afflictions are, God is saying this to you, he's promising this to you, if you trust and turn to me, I will promise to give my children a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. To trust him, to look at the circumstance and to believe with all your heart that the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't call us to remain in these circumstances, but to believe beyond what is happening and that he promises a garment of praise. This morning, I want to, through the, through the goodness of God, I want to offer a garment of praise to all those this morning who, ha- who carry a spirit of heaviness. If you dare to believe and choose that the Lord Jesus Christ will lift this off and grant you this gift of the garment of praise, he will. He will give you a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. So that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified the idea of a tree here in the scriptures brothers and sisters some say it refers to an oak tree some say the um, terebinth tree in in the in that region but what's what's interesting whether it's the oak or the terebinth what's interesting is they are both very similar trees and let me describe them to you firstly they are large trees Secondly, they are strong trees. They are trees that endure. The oak in particular is a tree that is able to resist itself against the damages of life. They are trees that you expect to last. They are trees with deep root systems, systems that go deep into the ground and will find the water so that they will flourish with green leaves. And God does not do this by accident. God doesn't do it by coincidence. He calls this you. He says this is you, strong and enduring and guarded and protected and dug deep, seeking and finding the water of life that your fruit may not fail. It's a gift. If you choose to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, what you will flourish with is righteousness. You will be oaks of righteousness, trees of righteousness. You will not have branches that are crumbling and dead. Lest you question, what am I? And what God does here, he does deliberately because he wants us to understand something very significant about the Christian life. That when God saves and God spares God equips his people with this righteousness. Will you trust him? You're not shrubs of righteousness, twigs of righteousness. You're not little weeds of righteousness. You're oaks of righteousness. You're dug, you're dig, you've dug deep into the roots of Christ. 
And you've allowed the water of life to flourish out of you because you've trusted in the Lord. Listen to this passage in Jeremiah. It's beautiful. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Listen. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. And so what the Bible's saying here, it's beautiful, is because what we become by the gift of God and by the glory of God is that we become these trees of righteousness that dig deep and find water because we trust in the Lord. So when the drought comes and the times of trying comes and when there seems to be anguish coming, we don't fear. We trust him. And because we trust him, our leaves remain green. We don't say, oh, I can't act righteously in this situation because you don't know my circumstances. They're so bad and the, and the heat is so hot and the drought is so bad. What do you expect me to do? That's how I'm going to be. No. In this drought, in this heat, in this pain, God says you will dig deeper and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this digging deep and trusting God, you will still bear fruit. It's the opposite for the Christian. This is the hope we have in Christ. Sadly, today though, the Christian, they compare righteousness to the standard of the world. <laughs> They say, oh yeah, I'm righteous, I'm righteous, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't steal. Like they compare it with the world and they call that righteousness. No, beloved. <laughs> you, don't, you don't find comfort saying, I don't steal, I don't steal. No, is there greed in your heart? That's the righteousness God is calling us to. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't sleep around like other people, but is there lust in your heart? So you don't compare, you don't compare a righteousness to the righteousness of this world. You don't say as long as I'm a little bit better than the world. No, you need to be like Christ. That's the righteousness. That's the hope. That's the gift. That when drought comes and the temptation to, to uh, speak evil or to, to lie out of a circumstance or to find your way to manipulate yourself out of a circumstance, you dig deep into Christ, you trust him, and you still bear fruit of righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. Not the world's definition of righteousness. So let me, let me, let me wrap, wrap this up. I want to ask you a few questions here. And then we'll finish. As trees of righteousness, if we are trees of righteousness, and we are, are you have any branches that are drying out? Do you have any branches that you think, oh, it's a bit dry? Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. That's not really, that's not flourishing. <laughs> you know, it's not deep in the word. I have to cover it because if people see it, they'll see it's a bit kind of easier to snap off. Or are your branches flourishing with righteousness? Let me ask you another question. Are there any signs of bad fruit in this tree? Jesus says, You'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? 
Even so, every tree, every good tree bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Is there any bad fruit that needs to be dealt with? Fruit that shouldn't exist because what you need to do is dig deep at the roots and deal with it there. Are you planted deep in the Word of God? Is your delight in the Word of God? Is your delight in knowing and living and applying and obeying the Word of God? Is, is that where your life is at? Because the Bible says in Psalm 1 that the man of God or the one who follows the Lord Jesus Christ is, is, is uh, like a man who delights himself in the Word day and night. This one shall be like a tree planted by the river. This one who delights themselves, they read, they eat, they apply, they live, they love the things of God, they love Jesus and his word. This one, the Bible says, is like the one who is planted by the river. Are you planted deeply, brothers and sisters? Are you, the Bible says, are you rooted in Christ? Dug intimately, faithfully, in the things of the Lord. Listen to, um, to Colossians. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. You see, it's very hard to take a man or a woman a young person, a child, whoever loves the Lord Jesus Christ, who digs themselves deep and faithfully in the word and the things of Christ, it's very hard to move them. Even in the droughts, they will look for water and they will flourish with righteousness. This is God's gift. As the scripture says, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Imagine. Okay, imagine the Christian decides that I don't want to do this. Well, it doesn't really matter anyway, because the trees will praise God. Even Jesus said that. When they tried to stop his disciples, and, they said, and the, the, I think it was the Pharisees, he says to his disciples, you know, um, Stop them from saying, you know, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus says, you know what, even if they stop, the stones will cry out. It's a matter, because that's what creation does. Remember we read this morning in communion? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is, the, this is God's gift. But when a man or a woman moves away, pulls out of Christ, is unfaithful in his way, what do they expect to produce? Not good fruit. But for one who remains rooted and grounded and faithful in obeying the word of God, they, their roots go far and deep to find water in Christ. They will feel nourished and they will flourish with the righteousness of the Lord. See, it's very simple, brothers and sisters. They will glorify God, the very reason why we exist. Isaiah 43 says to us, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Every single one God has created, not for your own glory, but for his glory. And when we are um, 
called from this world, spared the vengeance of God and rooted in him, then what we see is an abundance of righteousness, trees of righteousness, forest of righteousness, a forest of praise in the kingdom of God. Because this is what he's called us to, so that he may be at the end glorified. I want to leave you with this thought. If God has called you out, sorry, firstly, firstly, if you are still where you shouldn't be, brokenhearted, bound in captivity, imprisoned by your own self, then the promise we read this morning, he's come to set you free from this. Come this morning. Don't run. Come to him. Don't wait. Because there's a day of vengeance coming. And my responsibility is to tell you, come now before this day comes. And to those who've come, to those who've trusted, to those who've rooted themselves in Christ, take hope and, and take hold of the promise that you are now the trees, the oaks of righteousness. Keep digging deep. Keep knowing that as the Lord waters, what, all that will produce from you is fruit of righteousness. This is what glorifies God. This is what magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. Let's pray together, brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for the wonderful promise of the Lord Jesus Christ who has come to set us free, to plant us in this world that is so shaky and, and, and so vulnerable. But you have planted us, Lord. You have made us trees of righteousness, solid, enduring, um, and, and those things that can hold in the midst of trials and droughts. Lord God, we pray as you continue to, to water our souls, that as we continue to, to trust you, Lord, uh, that you would continue to produce this, this fruit of righteousness in everything that we do, that you, Lord Jesus, are glorified, that you are honoured through our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.